Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, I wanted to kind of continue the discussion we were having at the end of our last episode about how the faith tends to grow the most collectively and individually whenever people are going through hardships. I think that on an individual level, you see it the most whenever you're dealing with times of death or sickness um, and just general struggles and strife in general. And, you know, obviously when you're in those types of situations, you have one of two choices. You can either turn to the faith or turn away. It's, you know, it, it, it's one or the other with most decisions in life. You know, you have limited resources. You only have so much time here on the planet. What direction do you want to go? Who do you want to spend your time with and doing what? So, what I wanted to discuss in this episode kind of was a thought that I feel like I've observed here, uh, particularly in the last COVID era that we're in now. And it's something that I don't think I've recognized before. This might be indicative of, of how I brought up. But what I feel like now is something that, again, I don't think I've ever witnessed before. Is I feel like society at large has valued fear more than family. And again, I not to say the family has always been going strong. It's been on the decline for a while, but I've never seen fear be more important than that. And to me, that's a, a not a good place for a whole lot of reasons. You know, we've, we've certainly done episodes before talking about how the family is critical to life. And this notion of being afraid and the language that is used to try to overstate the situation is, is just mind-boggling to me. You know, part of my life is I'm driven by numbers. You know, when you're building a house, you fundamentally need to make sure it defeats gravity, it defeats fire, and it defeats water. If you do those three things, structurally it'll stand. The rest of it is is a pretty enough for you. So those are all numbers based. We know how strong gravity is. We know how fire works and we know how water works. So with that being said, the basics are kind of there. But when you get away from concrete things and you start working on living through a computer screen where it's all, you know, the background of a computer program is essentially made up. It's all numbers and zeros, and anyone can alter it at any time, and there's not hard, fast rules. If you mess up an internet program, a beam isn't going to fall on your head. You know, there's no chance that you know, water damage is going to flush away your foundation. It's not tangible. You can't touch it. So I, I, my fear is that as we've gotten away from that, we're losing other foundational requirements of human beings, and societal buildup. And this is a fear that I'm having. Um, you know, in Pennsylvania, we had our governor give a press conference where by his own numbers, um, he essentially used words and said, we're growing and we're becoming worse and the pandemic's scarier and all this. But by their own admission of their numbers, since this things began, less than 4% of the people have had it. And this is, again, Pennsylvania's 
Governor Wolf's speech given on the 8th um, with the health department. And overall, less than 0.04% of people have died from this in terms of per capita. But there is a fear that is being swept that has led to results, things being said that you can't be with your family. You can't go to Thanksgiving. You can't, unless you're still living with someone in your household, you can't do it. Effectively trying to, or maybe not trying to, I don't want to assign intent, but effectively removing extended families from being able to be close together in a personal, physical way. And as I look at this, it's a situation that, to me, could be very problemsome. You know, it, it creates a moment of strife, as we talked before. Um, and the analogy I keep thinking of is is going off the relationships that we discuss about all the time, is when you're dating someone and the relationship ends, most people have this thought of, oh, I never want to go there again, or I want to get back right away. And... My fear is that as these COVID rules are essentially creating forced separations, how does that trigger our responses? Does it be a situation where absence makes the heart grow fonder? Or, well, I've learned how to live without this person. I'm never going back there. And since these people are mostly families in the discussion I'm trying to discuss here, how do we address that is this something i'm blowing out of proportion um and is it something that the church as a whole would even consider worth discussing well i think you make some important observations joe and i think it's important to uh keep these things in mind and raise these alarms to the uh, degree that we can you're absolutely right that families are the building block of society. And so uh, to use your house analogy, if your blocks aren't solid, your house won't be solid. And so uh, it's critical that we have uh, strong families in order to have a strong society. And when the family is uh, threatened uh, and forcibly separated, when there are divisions that enter in, then it could weaken those building blocks. And then we have to wonder what happens. I don't have any statistics. You uh, said that you're all numbers-based and uh, you may have the statistics. I, I, I can only kind of guess anecdotally how many people are really uh, separating more. I mean, I suppose most people I know who would normally have some extended families get together for Thanksgiving, um, a lot of people didn't. They had just uh, immediate family, for example, get together for Thanksgiving. There were still, you know, 1.2 million people who checked into airports uh, over the Thanksgiving weekend. It's uh, maybe the government would like to curtail travel more than they actually did. Um, maybe they're aware in the amount that they've curtailed travel that it won't be. I think. Uh, I had the impression that the lockdown we had last spring was sort of more total than they expected. Um, it's, it seemed to me that part of the strategy is to selectively expose people to the virus in order to steadily build up some immunity. And if you have a, a total lockdown, then you just don't have that when you come out 
um, you're re-exposed. I think that's the case. I'm not a virologist. I don't want to make it sound like I'm an expert in any of those things. But, um, you know, so I imagine that some of the government restrictions are intended to be heuristic uh, approaches to limit and and prevent massive outbreaks. Uh, and And I think they've been fairly effective in doing that. But again, to come back to your point, you know how much does uh, how much does that affect long-term things? The optimistic view would be, well, uh, apparently the vaccine is the uh, the end of the story. I guess that all remains to be seen, and there's lots of feelings about that that I'm not weighing in on uh, in either direction. But just to say, if in fact there is, uh, as there is now already in the in Britain, for example, a, a more widespread use of the vaccine. If the all of the restrictions, everything basically ends in the spring, then we've missed one Easter, one Christmas, and one Thanksgiving, and probably everything is going to be fine. And there may be some more fragile situations that became too exacerbated. There may be some uh, tender things that broke there may be some other situations where people pulled together more strongly because it was more challenging, similar to what we were talking about in the last podcast, where struggle and persecution actually leads to stronger binds and deeper convictions. So there may have been some of that happening as well. And I guess it remains to be seen. I don't have a good sense of the statistics. I can kind of imagine a lot of different scenarios, but to, to make a call to our listeners, uh, just to say it is really important to keep those those bonds uh, with family and the, the bonds with the Lord and the Eucharist and the Mass and the parish. I'm grateful that at least so far, uh, sacraments have remained available, I think in a widespread way. I'm not sure. Maybe in California, some more things have been shut down at, at the government level. But certainly in Pennsylvania, in Ohio, we have the sacraments available, even if other church activities are curtailed for the time being. So I think we already figured out our priorities a little bit better since the spring. There was a more zeal to kind of close everything. And now we're saying, well, no, it's worth making sacrifices, even if we have to be a little more inconvenient or a little bit more careful or whatever. We need to do what we can to keep these uh, things open. And hopefully the situation is similar with family. Again, if maybe this is the one year that we don't have the extended families together, but we still have the immediate families together and we find ways to connect with the extended families, we keep the placeholder uh, in position so that when the restrictions lift, then those uh, relationships resume as they were. One of our talks from the Pastoral Conversion Conference that I mentioned in our last week's podcast, which was very interesting, was from Father James Mallon. And he said, one of the things that can become an obstacle to pastoral conversion is hanging on to a lot of things which are ultimately not life-giving. We can have some activities in the parish that are, we've been doing for a long time, but it's like, why are we doing these things? What impact are they really having? Are they really beneficial? And he said, now when it during the COVID pandemic and these different lockdowns, he's from Canada and they have gone into total lockdown again in uh, Nova Scotia. He said, during this time, it's an opportunity to really reevaluate those things and uh, sift out the chaff, 
if there's a, if there are activities that aren't really life giving, if they're not productive in terms of the parish's mission, if there are things that are left over from a previous time, you know, COVID is killing them. Let them die and focus on what we really want to strengthen. Uh, what remains as we move forward. And maybe there's some stuff in families like that too. Maybe there are some uh, superficial gatherings that have taken place. Maybe there are some kind of fractured relationships that people with gritted teeth have co come together. And and now is a time to reevaluate some of those things. It's not the best uh, application of that to families. Or maybe now is the time to reconcile some of those relationships. Having a breather this year, we reevaluate where we are and maybe what healing needs to happen before we come together again next Thanksgiving when we have the opportunity to do that. But just, uh, just to observe that when things are shut down, maybe there's an opportunity there that we can take advantage of as well. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's just a general concern that, that, that I've seen where this, I know that two episodes ago when we had the conversation about, um, analyzing risk, you know, that shutting down yourself from relations is, is not positive. And, and, you know, we are built to have relations with others. And I guess ultimately that's the difference between your friends and your family. You get to pick who your friends are, but your family was given to you. And on that note, I think that's probably an important thing to discuss too, because both are certainly important in our faith relation, you know, you, you have relations with everyone and, you know, I want to take it, well, let's take a moment there to dive into that in that while we're not allowed to be with family for the large part, we're not allowed to be with our friends either. And to talk about what the faith would emphasize as far as how to address these problems. I mean, also the problem with, we only get so many chances that we can be out with people you know, because of the, the rules and the timeline restrictions. So why don't we have a little conversation about that and dive into that point? Well, I think some similar things apply in terms of um, finding ways to keep relationships alive. And uh, certainly you and I are recording this over Google Hangouts and uh, people are meeting over Zoom and Skype and there are ways to stay connected. Obviously, the telephone has uh, been that way for a long time. So where we're motivated, we're going to find ways to connect and uh, share with each other and also ways to get together. As you said, it's a little bit more rare, so we have to choose a little bit more wisely and we need to make choices about what we invest in. Um, and I guess I would encourage our, our listeners, and you know, it's I'm, I'm being uh, autobiographical in this as well. I mean, it's the kind of principles that I use. I certainly want to strengthen those friendships which are really life giving for me, and uh, make sure that I'm taking the time with people whom I love and who love me, and that we can uh, be be strong together to face the challenges that are there and and to be renewed and refreshed in those good relationships. And so uh, I'm gonna make a certain priority out of that. But I also am always really careful to maintain relationships with people who are maybe more challenging for me, more difficult for me, um, 
who are you know somehow less attractive or give me less back or something like that. I don't think in these terms too much. I don't. I'm nervous now. People are uh, listening and thinking, "Oh my gosh, where do I fall in father's categories?" Um, I'm not really thinking in terms of these things so much. But just to say, sort of like uh, Pope Francis, we have to keep going out to the margins. We see the center better if we keep going out to the margins. And I think. Uh, and Pope Francis has emphasized that, and I think it's a danger for us too, if we only have so much time that we totally ignore the poor. We ignore those who maybe can give less back, but need us more. And that could be the materially poor, that could be the emotionally, the spiritually poor, that could be the people in our lives who are a little bit more of a drain on us, or uh, a little bit more difficult for us to be with, or so even when I was talking about you know cutting activities in church or trimming down relationships, it's not a justification to base everything on total selfishness that I'm only going to um, keep the things that I, I enjoy. So again, not to say I should cut out all of the relationships and people that I enjoy, but um, just an encouragement also to keep some of those other relationships. I, I think it keeps us balanced. It keeps us grounded. And so, you know, I think of a, of a doctor who is going to keep his practice and he's going to, you know, there are limitations there in terms of how many patients and, I don't know, COVID restrictions and these kinds of things. Um, he might be tempted to cut out his free service to the poor in, uh, at a service, uh, a free clinic. And I would say, don't do that. Uh, we need that. We need that in addition to the, the poor who need that. Those things humanize us and ground us and uh, help us to relativize our priorities. Um, Jesus is there. Jesus is in the poor. It's a little like mass in the sense that mass seems like kind of an extra. It can seem like a luxury in some ways. Oh, well, you know, it's it's a... Uh, and then the way that we treated it in the spring really makes it seem like, oh, this is a secondary priority. It's really important for us to go to the grocery store. It's less important for us to go to mass. And that's a false uh, dichotomy. It's, it's essential for us to go to mass. We need to worship. We need to keep God in the highest place. And that's a concrete way we do it. So whether it's through our works of charity or through our worship of God in the Eucharist, um, we need to keep God in the highest place and arrange other things around that. So anyway, just a few thoughts about how we make some of those decisions in terms of spending our time, especially when our opportunities are limited during uh, lockdowns and social distancing and whatever else. And to connect all those various points that we have out there, um, the thread that I saw going through it is, is humility. You know, being in the presence of God lets you know that you're not as good as God, and it humbles you. Being in a situation where you are going to the margins shows you how blessed you are, which is, in a sense, humbling you. And to infer that also will inherently dissipate your fear, because you will see that in the grand scheme of things, the fears that you have within unless they're immediately life-threatening, normally aren't as big as they are. And humbleness, you know, looking at ourselves in the right framework does reground us in a very real sense 
about what fears are real and what are not. Um, and that has just been my experience, you know, mostly learned from you, Father, um, and the way that, that, that you teach this. But the humbleness really is a core of, of, of everything there as far as is a pathway to getting back. And, and I think that that's something that ought to be thought of going forward. So as we have a couple of minutes to, to conclude this episode, I want to give you a chance to, to give the last word. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, uh, yeah. Humility is so critical. Humility and charity are really the two great Christian virtues. And putting ourselves in a place of humility and arranging our priorities accordingly, um, putting God in the highest place and receiving from him the way that uh, the people and the way that we reach out, our acceptance of reality for that matter. I mean, if God didn't want there to be a pandemic, he could have stopped it. You know, he's allowing all of this and we trust that it's for a greater good. Uh, we don't know all the details of how that works out, but we know that God is present in the midst of it. And so we keep looking to him, not as ones who have all the answers and need to tell God about it, but as ones who are humble creatures and need the guidance that he can provide. So yeah, humility is is really a unifying factor and and keeping ourselves uh, small, little, keeping ourselves uh, spiritually poor, blessed are the poor in spirit, is uh, a tremendous help for us in navigating the, the treacherous waters of of the modern day. So I really appreciate your raising the question, uh, raising that flag of concern regarding fear, breaking apart families. And we have to be so careful about that. It, it's a uh, better to live with, uh, better to die with family than to live without it. Uh, the fact is, if we live without it, we will die anyway. The isolation will kill us if, uh, if, the, if the virus doesn't. So um, yeah, we just have to be careful how we arrange those priorities, what kind of trade-offs are there. And so important to keep those, those relationships alive. But, but approaching all of that with, with gentleness, humility, with trust is, uh, is really the right note to, to end off on, I think. Perfect. Well, and that's where we will end it. We thank everyone for listening to the episode here today, and we will be with you again next week.